We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the NBA front office show. As always, we've got tons to break down today. Tons of news going on around the NBA. Yes, we've got the NBA finals, but a lot of other things happening, too around the league to dive into i'm trevor lane you can find me on twitter at trevor underscore lane or on instagram at trevor lane nba joined by keith smith at keith smith nba keith like it just never ceases to amaze me here we are we're in the nba finals and we've just got this long list of different news topics that have been breaking the nba it's it's incredible the way the news cycle is with this league there's other things happening i i was pretty sure there's only there's more important things happening keith more important yeah. things happening in my world. I don't know about <laughs> that now. Um, I will say this too. If the Celtics win the title, we're changing the banners for at least a week to green underneath the names and the, the okay, topic banners. And yeah, all I that. think that's, that's doable. Yeah, yeah, we have to do that if they win the title. But that, I think that's the blue. But no, yeah, being serious for a minute. Yeah, I mean, it is, you know, it's, it's, it's just how it goes. It, it, no other sport is it. The, the finals ends. If the finals goes to game seven, it goes to June 19th. Four days later is the NBA draft. And then only a week after that is free agency opening. So no other sport in the country is like that, where it ends and you go right into the offseason stuff you know, within you know, a week um, or days of, of what happens. So that's why, I mean, stuff has to go on uh, during this. Remember, it was several years ago now, the, the Pistons made a trade in the middle of the NBA Finals. Oh, yeah. Um, it was a pretty minor trade in the grand scheme of things. But, yeah, I mean, that stuff does happen. And, again, it's because this window is so compact and tight. Usually stuff stays pretty quiet on the transaction front during yeah, the finals. Yeah, does not want. Because yeah. the NBA doesn't want that. The NBA, like, right. like, could you imagine if the Lakers traded Russell Westbrook, like, right. Sunday? Right? right? I mean, you know you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like the Lakers, in my world anyway, the Lakers hiring Darvin Ham being released right before, what was that, game six last Friday? That obliterated yeah. game six it, among Lakers fans, right? Like, that, that uh, eclipsed sure. it. So, and that's not ideal for the NBA. You want the focus to be on on your big stage games. Um, so that's why during the NBA Finals, things are typically pretty quiet. But we do still have a decent amount of stuff out here. Some yeah. stuff is from you know Adam Silver himself from him talking. But anyway, let's let's dive in. Let, let's just start with with Game One here. Yeah. Um, so Game One, I mean, incredible comeback. I mean, absolutely incredible. It's I've got a lot of people who are looking at this right now and saying I, I'm getting this take out there. Who are saying, oh my gosh, Jason Tatum was terrible. 
therefore the Warriors are dead. If the Warriors lost and Jason Tatum was terrible, then it's over. This is this is done because Jason Tatum will get back to normal, and then that's it. If the Warriors can't beat the Celtics with Jason Tatum being unable to hit any baskets, well, what hope do they really have? I've seen that take out there quite a bit. My pushback would be this, that the Celtics didn't miss in the fourth quarter. Like Jason Tatum was, was bad hitting shots, but everyone else was hitting everything. They were unconscious. Mm-hmm. So I think there's going to be regression to the mean in both situations where the other guys will cool off a little bit just because that's naturally what happens. But Jason Tatum will come up a little bit and the Celtics will probably stay about what we saw last night. And I, and I think that means they can definitely win the whole thing, but I wouldn't look at it and say, this is series is done because Jason Tatum will hit more of his shots and everybody else is just going to do exactly what they did last night. Yeah. I think there's a, a few things at play here. One, um, I'll start with uh, anybody who has been saying, because you you know how it goes when your team's there, you do a ton of radio appearances and things like that. And I've had a lot of people say, you know, Jason Tatum was pretty bad. And I was like, let's stop. Jason Tatum shot poorly. He was great distributor. He played great in every other phase of the game. He had 13 assists. He was an outstanding, you know, playmaker all game long because people are pointing to the ones he had late, but he had a bunch early on too. He really did a good job as a passer and his defense was, you know, the normal elite standards that he usually plays at. Mm -hmm. So I I think it's, you know, but to your point, yeah, that's fair because there's some people saying, well, you know, the Warriors are fine because the Celtics won't shoot this well again. Well, they, they probably won't. You're right. But Jason Tatum won't shoot that poorly. Tatum will shoot better. Yeah. It'll be some bouncing. I don't know that they're going to score 120 points again. And, you know, maybe even not in another game in the series. But I think, you know, that's, that's the other thing. I would also say, too, I started thinking about it less as a comeback and more as a complete turnaround because not only did they come back, but then they turned it into almost a runaway the other way. I mean, yeah. that game was over with a couple minutes left because they, they had built a double-digit lead. And I know that's always a little shaky with the Celtics because they don't always close great. Sure. But, um, I, I, I guess my kind of overarching thought was the same going into the series. Warriors haven't seen a defense like this all you know for months it's uh-huh. been a long time um in boston really once they ironed out some of the weird stuff they were doing early on and they had some blown switches and coverages against Stephen curry mm-hmm. but once they kind of went to all right we're gonna single up we're gonna try not to switch as much on curry we won't drop on him either we'll play at the level of the ball with the bigs they really did a nice job on him uh, later in the game and then they really locked in especially in that fourth quarter it made it you know, almost impossible for Golden State to even get good shots, never mind make shots. And then offensively, their ball and player movement was outstanding. They, they went, and this is not the last thing the Warriors saw was four guys stand around the arc, maybe one dives to the rim while Luka does everything. That's not how the Celtics play. There was mm-hmm. a lot of movement, a lot of stuff off ball going on, a lot of different things, and that, that really helped open things up. And then last thing I'll say, I want to shout out Jalen Brown and Al Horford because Brown – Started the, the the turnaround in the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, really kind of said, "Get on my back, let's go." I'm going to will us back into this game, and then Horford closed it out with a big time run. You know, when I was was looking at, at that, yeah, he you know, Horford obviously got going. Uh, Jalen Brown got going as well. We saw. I, I said coming in that this was it was a bigger adjustment for the Warriors than it was for the Celtics. 
because they had just seen the Miami Heat. They had seen that that team. The path the Celtics had to take did more to prepare them, I think, for this yep. game than the path the Warriors took. It, it was a very it was a big discrepancy between what they saw in the previous round to what they were dealing with here. Um, I also think if we do flip it over to the Warriors, Steph Curry was hot early, and a lot of that was was you know he was getting open looks, but aside from Andrew Wiggins, everyone else was awful. Awful, yeah. awful. I mean, Draymond Green was about as bad as we've seen him. Uh, Jordan Poole did not look ready at all. He looked completely unprepared for for the moment. And maybe that's fair. I mean, he's a very young player. And so maybe it's understandable why he, that might seem like a bit a bit much for him to be on that stage. I'm a big Jordan Poole fan. We both picked him to be most yeah. improved player at the beginning of the season. Like, he's, he's great. But the other – Jason Tatum didn't shoot well. The other Celtics all shot incredibly well. Yeah. Steph Curry shot well. The other Warriors all just disappeared, and that was yeah, that and was Clay was basically, yo. I mean, he was six out of fourteen, three for seven from three. That's a little under his his usual. And Otto Porter was yo four for uh, five. Okay, Otto Porter's three. fair. Otto Porter was but shooting, yeah, but I mean, no, not the rest about, of them, yeah. But Draymond, yeah, Draymond Green. I mean, but, oh my gosh! I mean, he part was, of that is that's what Boston wants, right? It's you know, hey, you want to take take jump shots? By all means, have at it. You want to take wild off the dribble floaters? Go go ahead. We're we're content. You know, uh, you, the, every shot Draymond Green takes is one somebody else doesn't. Right. And his, Boston's looking at it from a decision making perspective. Um, I think if you're the Warriors, you have to look at that and say, "Is Draymond going to be this bad again? Is Jordan Poole going to be this bad again? Maybe. Sure. May they might be. It might just be the Celtics defense is good enough to where they are. Um, so I, I look at this and I think this series isn't isn't over. No. But that was certainly. That was certainly a a mental hurdle now for the Warriors to get over what happened in the fourth quarter there and uh, and and bounce back. That's going to be important. Yeah, big time. I, I, this is I said this earlier today. The Warriors were going to come out with their absolute best game that they can play in this next game yep. because if they don't, it's probably over. You right. you can't go down too well going on the road. Um, they're very good, and we do see teams, including just last year, come back after falling down 0-2, but not going on the road. That's a whole different animal, you know, with it. That's, that's going to make it really hard on them. But yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see, you know, what, what happens in this next one. I still think, you know, good, long, competitive, hard fought series is what we're looking at. But yeah, I think, um, I think the Celtics, hopefully anybody who was kind of, yeah, this team's cute, but they're not really this, this level of good. Hopefully that, that was erased with their performance. And now people are like, all right, I can see it now. What was interesting was coming into the series, the Warriors were like the Vegas favorites, but mm -hmm. that can just be reflective of the betting lines. Sure. You know, I think that because a lot of it happened, like people pay a lot of attention to the NBA early in the season mm -hmm. and then attention tends to wane and then it picks back up again later on come, come playoff time. Um, and and so, you get all the casuals who just don't know anyway. And they just, well, they yeah. know Steph Curry. They know, right? they know Steph Curry and they go, oh, yeah. Steph Curry's good. So that, that team wins. Um, so I think you've got a couple of things at play there that would influence the Vegas line, but we saw a few of the, like the advanced metric and stuff. ESPN put some of this out. I saw a few others as well that yeah. had the Celtics as just a, an overwhelming prohibitive favorite, like massive, massive favorite yeah. in, in this, in this game, uh, in this series. And the conclusion to game one gave some validity to that. And we'll see how the rest of the series plays out. From here. Well, what makes me laugh is those models had that ESPN's own internal stuff had that. And then 15 of their 20 people picked warriors. 
uh, you know, to, to win the series, including a bunch picking warriors in five and six. Right. Um, which is, you know, I, I never, I don't like this new thing of like six games is insulting. It's one less than the max of a series. Game. Yeah. Like, what are we doing? I also think the other thing, this is a complete aside, which I think is funny. And some Celtics fans are doing it now with this crowing of like Celtics in five. If you're that confident, you're gonna talk trash. Pick it in four, like, <laughs> <laughs> because they don't want to sound like sons in four. That's I'm sure that's. I why. think that's part of what it is, right? And I and I think they they also it's like, okay, let, let's be. I don't want to be completely disrespectful. Like, no, if yeah. you're gonna be disrespectful, go the whole way. Be be openly disrespectful and pick a sweep. Like, come on. Now. Well, well, Celtics fans yeah. certainly know know how to be disrespectful. Just ask Emi Odoka <laughs> earlier in the earlier in the season. It's They're not true. saying that stuff anymore, though. Nope. No, we're not seeing any of those fiery email comments anymore and i trust me i lived through all every well, single one of them. i was i was here i, I remember you and i remember telling you like i i feel for you dealing with yeah. with what you were dealing with in that moment that was not oh, not fun we go through it to get here all right where do we want to go next because we, um, we got all sorts of others yeah we got a lot to get to less i guess this is the first kind of news type of thing it's well, sure. still being finals related the warriors are confident that they can keep uh jordan pool uh, not a surprise. I joked that do they want to keep him? But of course they, of course they do. He's uh, look. Last night was a terrible game for him, but still an incredibly talented player. Uh, a great find for them. And, and look, the Warriors have shown a willingness to spend in the past. I don't think that's going to change now. So I, I would be, I would be surprised if anything happened other than the Warriors just keeping Jordan Poole and, and rolling forward. Yeah, I think you know people continue to say things like, well, they can't, they can't keep paying everybody. I mean, why can't why can't they? There's nothing yeah. stopping them. There, there's no. We have yet to find out whatever their upper bound is of the, you know, that's it. That's that's our limit on paying the tax. So I think what we're looking at now with the Warriors is they're just going to keep keep pushing it until you know until something goes. And I think they also know pool is important for that bridge team, right? As they mm -hmm. eventually transition out of the Curry Clay Clay um, Draymond group and into the. Um, you know, Pool, Kaminga, Moody, maybe Wiseman, if they can get him sorted, um, group. Then, then that's where you know Pool is a big, big part of that. And, and yeah, he struggled in game one, but he's generally been pretty good this season. Mm -hmm. And um, that. So yeah, I, not nothing there. And I guess if I was a Warriors fan, the thing I would be most excited about and enthused about overall, big picture with my franchise, is that they just continue to spend. Um, yeah. they're, they're not putting artificial limits on themselves that are only their own limits of, you know, yeah, we can't really keep spending money. They're just continuing to write those big checks and continuing to move forward and compete for titles. Alex Caruso. <laughs> I to, have to say it. Yes. When you're putting, when you're putting your Trevor own, when me. your own limitations are in there, when you're effectively hard capping yourself. Yes, that can be, that can be a problem. The Warriors are not, are not doing that. Yeah. Um, let's jump over to Charlotte. So we've yeah. talked about how fun it would be if the, if either Mike D'Antoni or Terry Stotts got the got the Charlotte job. Uh, we got word that Kenny Atkinson is in the lead for the the Hornets job, which makes some sense with a younger team. You know, I won't say mm -hmm. as much as you and I have been on on the the path of Stotts, D'Antoni, all offense. Let's just make this fun. That that doesn't necessarily mean that's the best path Correct. for their franchise. And Kenny Atkinson, I think, is a good coach. He's a, does a nice job developing talent. And I mean, I can't look at this and say, oh, my gosh, they're making a huge mistake. No, I think he's a very good coach and and think he'd be just fine, even if we don't get to check that that exciting box that we would get if we had uh, Terry Stotts or, or D'Antoni there. Yeah. And the reality is you want to win. And that's what he's right. done. He built winners in Brooklyn. Um 
quite frankly, I think it was unfairly dismissed uh, from the Nets job. Uh, that was, you know, obviously uh, pressure from the players who, who weren't you know, necessarily on board with what he wanted to do and not do as far as playing certain guys. So, you know, that is what it is. But, yeah, I think this would be a great hire uh, for the Hornets as far as, you know, building up the, the franchise moving forward. They'd have a whole bunch of, uh, you know, pretty pretty interesting guys that you could see, uh, you know, start to get, get moved forward in their development process. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. As we've seen demonstrated time and time again in football, organizations don't care about your fantasy team. Correct. They care, they care about winning games. Yep. Um, as we've seen. As we should. Yes, exactly. So, um, so with that being the case, you know, Kenny, I could say, I think he'd be a great hire for the Hornets and um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we hear soon that, uh, that he is picked as the guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's move over to some awards. NBA is looking at removing positions from the all NBA awards. And given the way things went this year and the situation you had with Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic, both of them very, very clearly being deserving of being first team players, but they were not because they both played the same position. That position was center. I think this makes sense. I think we've we've been talking about this, that you want to be able to have it be the top five players, period, so that mm-hmm. you don't wind up where somebody deserving does not make it. So yeah. I think this would be the right move for the league. It, we're talking more and more about basketball becoming positionless. I, I think the votes should reflect that. Yeah, I completely agree. It's it's you gotta go one way or the other. Either it's positionless or we stop with the nonsense stuff of well, Embiid can be a forward. He doesn't play, he didn't play a minute at forward. He played all of his minutes at center. Same with Jokic. Then being you know votable, uh, votable. Uh, that's not eligible. Uh, votable. I'm very very tired. Um, <laughs> <laughs> eligible at uh, at you know multiple positions doesn't make sense for some guys, right? But yeah, move position less. People scream and yell about well, what about the history of the game? Well, what about it? Who cares? We we adjust all the time. You know they didn't have three pointers. You know forty years ago, and now we do. It is what it is. You know, just we we move on, and you know the game is what it is, and we'll all adjust and we'll all be fine. And I thought Adam Silver was very candid in recognizing. This stuff is tied to contracts, whether mm-hmm. it be the, the Supermax deals or the um, veteran or the designated player coming off rookie scale deals, or even things like contract incentives that are built in. If you're named to certain teams, like, yeah, we shouldn't be seeing guys get, you know, um, punished because of, you know, some antiquated stuff with the voting 
voting rules. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think this is great. Now, he did, he was very clear. He said, we got to talk with the players, which makes sense because it is tied into contractual stuff. Correct. But my guess is they talk this through and the next, after the next CBA goes in, we see everything switch to positionless. Probably not just all NBA, but it'll probably be a lot more. I even wonder if All-Star mm-hmm. uh, starts to see even more tweaks to the way uh, we vote for All-Star teams. Because I'll be honest, I don't really care if the whole all-star team is like six foot four to six foot eight. No. I don't, you know, just whatever. Just bring on the weirdness. Like, it's the all-star yeah, hand. Who cares, yeah, right? Bring, give me the 24 best players and let's yeah. go. Give me a starting five of all seven foot and up. And let's just, let's just enjoy <laughs> the time with that too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. I'd be perfectly good with that. Um, okay. Let's, let's talk a little bit about NBA expansion because Adam Silver talked about that a little bit before game one. Uh, on one hand, he kind of pumped the brakes on, on expansion, mm-hmm. making sure that people knew that like this is not a done deal or anything like that and expressed concern about dilution of talent. At the same time, it was, a, to me, a very political answer because nothing is done. And so he can't say like, oh, yeah, we're definitely doing this because they don't have that kind of certainty just yet. But I do still think it's coming. I do think he brought up an inter- interesting point, though, because you and I, Keith, we've talked a lot about um, about how the NBA, there's enough talent in the NBA and just outside the NBA to have more teams, to add on two more teams and have them be respectable franchises. Mm-hmm. But he expressed concern not about the overall talent of, say, 500 basketball players. Are there 500 players that could play in the NBA? It's how many superstars are there? And given how many how the NBA has become a superstar-driven league, and there's uh, you know a lot of fans that are player fans only they're not a fan of a team they're a fan of a specific player i think that is a just concern because there are only so many players on the planet that are a superstar caliber player in the nba and if there's two more teams that's conceivably two more teams that are without stars yeah i mean i guess i guess is the way i think about that it's already how many players are truly superstars right and i don't want to have that whole debate because it's just not worth it but if we let, let's just say roughly we say there's 10. Mm-hmm. Well, that's already, even if they were all dispersed evenly, which they They're are, not. we know that. But even if they were, that's still only a third of the league has a superstar player. Two more players aren't going to make any difference. So it's not mm-hmm. like we're talking about going from 30 franchises to 40 or, you know, anything like that. We're talking about two. Uh, my takeaways from it was one, he direct quote says, expansion is inevitable. I think uh-huh. is what he said. Or we will invariably expand. <laughs> Expansion is Thanos. Yeah, right. Let me <laughs> let me rephrase. We will invariably expand, um, which is good, right? He's owning it. Like it is mm-hmm. coming, right? Um, but it's what I think he wanted to pump the brakes on is this report that it was going to be coming after 2024. the 2024 season ends. Right. Like that's where he's like, "Whoa, hold on." I also thought it was very interesting that he directly addressed. Seattle and Las Vegas Mm -hmm. as the cities too, which I think we all have a feeling that's probably where this is headed. I still think we're within two years, we're getting official word. The NBA is expanding. Seattle and Las Vegas Mm -hmm. will be the two franchises and it'll go forward from there. Um, When I think what it's going to be tied to is they'll come in with updated language in the new CBA with the TV contract set up. Cause like Mark Cuban was very outspoken about expansion. And he said, yeah, it does sound great for everybody to get, you know, $6 billion, but it hurts you down the road. Billion. But then the TV contract gets the, the pie gets split. 
right? Yep. 32 ways. The only thing is that that's 6 billion. None of that goes to the players as it is today. Yep. Um, that's not basketball related income. That all goes just to the owners. So um, that's just a weird quirk. My guess is that also gets addressed in the next CBA. Mm-hmm. And the players are like, not that they would get a direct, a uh, direct windfall, but it would be, Hey, we need to bump the salary cap then you related. So let's keep an eye on this, but yeah, it, it's, it's coming. They're just not ready to say, you know, on the biggest stage, you know, before the NBA final start, like, yes, we're doing, we, we are expanding. And he's just not ready to make that announcement yet. Now r- remind me when OKC stole the, the Sonics and that was a mess and, and look, it's yeah. not OKC's fault or anything that sure. the city didn't do it, but I mean, it was pretty clear what was going on and, and yeah. you feel for, for Seattle. They had to leave the history, right? Yep. Okay. So the new team starting up, whenever it does happen, uh, the new team can just become the Sonics yep. and adopt. Much that like history. the Hornets. Like the Hornets. Okay. Yeah. Just, just make sure that, and that to me, that is the correct way to handle sure. this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't. I think they they as far as I understand, I believe the Supersonics banners because they did win a title. Um, still hang in key arena where the, where the Kraken play, it's not key arena anymore. It's like climate pledge, um, mm-hmm. arena or something like that now, but that's where the Seattle Kraken, uh, play. I'll also say this too. I have a friend, multiple friends who work on the broadcast side of things uh-huh. and they had done work a couple years ago inside that arena on like, what, what would it take to, to produce live NBA games here again? Like what well, work needs done, right. um, supposedly all the technologies have been in there and upgraded and everything is ready to go um, for all that, whatever mm-hmm. they're, they're ready, whether that's the long-term or temporary home. Cause there's a lot of talk of building another arena on the other side of Seattle um, and things like that, which is, you know, who knows where that'll go, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's coming, it's, it's coming eventually. And I'm, I'm I feel really, really confident it's going to be Seattle and Las Vegas. Yeah. It, it makes too much sense for it yep. to be those. They don't want to lose either one of those markets as NBA mm-hmm. markets. Like yep. you, you let the crack and get a super big foothold in over the next couple of years. They, the Knights in uh, Las Vegas have already kind of gotten that jump on them. They're we're huge. About, yeah, we're here. I mean, the Raiders are there now. We're here. And maybe the A's could move to Las Vegas. We've heard some of that stuff there. Um, if any of that stuff happens, like now you run the risk of being third or fourth in the pecking order. And they don't want that. They, they want it to be, you know, let's go. And Seattle's always been a great basketball city. And Las Vegas has a long basketball history as well. So, you know, hopefully it'll all work out. I think I, I've mentioned this on here before, but when I was in, last time I was in Vegas, uh, gosh, it was probably six weeks ago, whatever, four weeks ago. I don't even remember at this point, but, uh, but that's Vegas. Um, and I went to the studios to go record there with uh, for Blue Wire and happened to run into uh, Darren Waller was there, the, the tight end of the, the Raiders, um, which is very cool just to, to, to get to meet him and, and all that kind of stuff. But I asked him specifically, I said, hey, you know, there's been talk about NBA expansion coming here. What's been your thought on, you know, like Las Vegas fans? Do you think, is this, is Vegas a good sports town? Like, could it support a basketball team coming in when you've already got hockey, you've already got football? And he said, oh, no, 100%. Like, these fans are, are rabid out here. They are behind this. And it can easily support an NBA team. So that was that was kind of cool to hear from the, the players' perspective. Yeah, I look at it very similar to where I live here in Orlando. Um, it's a there there's a you you will have your your local base of fans mm-hmm. that they're gonna be the ones who buy the bulk of your season tickets. They're gonna be they're gonna form kind of your core. And then everybody else who comes in are the ones who hey, we happen to be in town. Oh yeah, let's go check out a basketball game. 
and stuff like that. We've heard that about the hockey team in, in Vegas. Um, football is a little bit different, right? Because you can really plan, hey, we're going to fly in. We're going to see right. the Raiders play our team. And then we'll you know spend the weekend in Vegas and have a good time and all that. that that's a whole different setup. But, yeah, I think, um, you know, basketball-wise, they'll, they'll be fine because you'll get, you know, you'll, you'll get stuff. And it's always t- interesting, too. I think we get a little twisted on basketball. You don't need a billion local fans. You're not trying to mm-hmm. fill a hundred thousand seat stadium. You're trying to fill twenty thousand seats inside a you know arena like that's you're gonna get there. That's not gonna be a hard thing to do. Here in Orlando, they draw great. You know, here even when the team is bad, their attendance is very solid. So I, I it's they'll be fine. You know, I'm not not in the slightest worried about that. And I think we need to keep in mind too. Not only do they already have summer league there, but WNBA is already yep. in in and Vegas, the, and, and the Aces are are fantastic this year. Yep. So yeah. the NBA is seeing what and uh, UNLV has done well forever. Mm-hmm. They're also so yeah. They they're 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 ready for NBA basketball, you know, year round. All right, let's move on to the Utah Jazz. Quinn Snyder uh, leaving the Jazz. I mean, we're hearing more and more rumblings that see, I mean, maybe he's leaving. Saw earlier today that. You know, money isn't really the issue here. We talked about this the other day on our show, and I said, it feels like this is all one-sided. This is Utah trying to convince Quinn Snyder to stay. And usually if it gets to that point, that's not a good sign that it's actually going to come back together. I mean, look, nothing is is said and done here, but it just feels like he's he's on his way out. Yeah, I, and I think I said when we talked about it the other day that my guess is they'd all do one more year together. I'm going to backtrack on that with a little bit more of the reporting that's come out there and a little bit better understanding of the situation. Yeah, I think he might be done. I think, too, we're going to see him take a year off. We know he yeah. just had hip surgery. Um, so my guess is he takes a year off, probably does. Kind of what we see a lot of the coaches do. We'll hear, you know, Christmas-ish. He'll pop up and he'll be visiting teams and all yep. those kind of things. And there's a there's a not small part of me that thinks Pop does one more year with the yeah. Spurs and then Quinn Snyder steps in as his replacement in San Antonio. That's that's where I think this might be headed. I think that's probably the plan as well. I agree. Yeah. All right. Uh, Zach Levine potentially staying with, with Chicago Bulls. You know, we've been saying all along that that's the most likely outcome. Just looking at what's out there looking at who can offer Zach Levine a chance to win, all of that kind of stuff. That I think that most of what we've been hearing about Zach Levine potentially leaving has been about kind of sending the message like, hey, if you mess around with this contract, we've got options. We've got other places we can go. If you want to start talking about, you know, non-guaranteed years or you don't want to put in a player option, you know, things, things mm-hmm. of that nature. I think that's what a lot of this has been about. I think him staying with the Bulls makes the most sense. But again, I think if the Bulls start to get get tricky with things a little bit if they try to get cute zach levine has some other options that are out there that could potentially be landing spots for him we've talked about the spurs we've talked about uh the blazers there's places for him to go but i still think if i had to put money on it zach levine sticking with the bulls makes the most sense yeah i completely agree this came from brian windhorse on the hoop collective podcast He, he was the one who uh you know, had this latest nugget that basically his read is that Levine's not going anywhere and doesn't want to leave Chicago. I I didn't put a lot of faith in the whole he he doesn't want to. Okay, I know Lavar Ball said it, but like he doesn't want to be a number two. He wants to have his own team and all this stuff. And then some of the teams that were immediately mentioned, it's like he's not. He's gonna be number three on yeah. those teams. Like, what are we doing here? Like that that's not the way this is gonna go. So yeah, I, it's it's. My guess is this one shortly after the opening of free agency, we hear Zach Levine and the Bulls have agreement on a four-year, 
plus four plus one mm -hmm. uh, max contract and he's going to stay right there and then they'll they'll sort it out and figure it out from there because the other thing that's important to know you know this team spent some money last year they got pretty expensive i have money on a max deal demar Derozan, for as great as he played last year it's not on a max contract so you know you do have room to 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 do a full max deal mm -hmm. which has only got one year left then he'll be off the books and you can really start to uh, reset things pretty quickly in chicago if you need to around levine as kind of your son of priests moving forward and that's something the players have to consider when they're signing these contracts. I know we're in the era of sign the contract now, figure out the destination later, but that it's not it's not wise to not consider what the future would look like and have a sense of of how that could potentially play out. And if you're Zach Levine and you're saying, "Well, I, you know, I really want the team built around me," well, you know what? When you're when you are a year in now or another year in then maybe you'll have the opportunity to, to do that and, and have that yep. situation come true. So uh, yep. I don't think it's a bad spot for him to stay in Chicago at all. Yeah, exactly. And that team was really good before they had all the injuries. So speaking of which, crazy. yeah, Lonzo ball, persistent knee problems to the point this and this, this is truly alarming to the point where there's question marks about whether or not he will be ready for the season to start. We're in June. We're at the beginning of June, and we're talking about whether or not he'll be ready for the end of October. That that's troubling. Yeah, that is super scary. Um, you know, to 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 see that it's a. Uh, um, uh, this was Darnell Mayberry um, covers the Bulls for the Athletic. Um, his left knee still not right. Um, there's concern whether he'll be ready for the opening night. Um, there's no plans for him to undergo a second knee surgery. So that's, I mean, the no plans for the second knee surgery part. Okay, that's good. That's that's good. But I mean, that's worrisome. Now, like you yeah. said, we're only at the beginning of June. We're you know four and a half months at least. You know, a little bit longer than that from the start of the season. That's concerning to me. And they need him. They, you know, I mean, we saw that. Absolutely. They were really good when they had him. When they didn't have him, they they, they, they weren't quite as good. So that's, that, that's a problem if they don't have him. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Um, it absolutely is. And I think it's part of the reason why the Bulls, but the Bulls were that super fun team at the beginning of the season that was surprising everybody and, and, you know, free flowing offense and everything was exciting and fast breaks and all that. And then they kind of fell apart down the stretch. And a lot of that was, was not because they just suddenly became bad or something. It was injuries that, that really um, took away a lot of their, their powers. So yep. hopefully Lonzo gets healthy because I know he is a key piece uh, for that team. And just for him as a player too. I mean, he, he, it felt like some things were really starting to click with him last year. I just hope he can get healthy and, and get back to it. Yep, completely agree. Uh, moved over to my Lakers. That only took a week. 
then they they officially announced Darvin Ham. It was literally a week ago that Woj and Shams said Darvin Ham to the Lakers, and LeBron tweeted out congratulations, and and then silence for a week. And sometimes it takes time to get contracts done and all that kind of stuff. It was a holiday weekend, like I get it, but still there were there were a lot of questions like why is this taking so long? But now officially the Lakers have announced that that Darvin Ham is their head coach. Um, but we got a story today from Mark Stein that said that he wasn't necessarily their first choice, which isn't a surprise. We had heard that the Lakers were maybe waiting on Quinn Steiner, Snyder, maybe waiting on, on Doc Rivers. But Stein says that what he's heard around the league is that Jawan Howard was actually their top choice, and they had hoped to convince him to leave Michigan. But ultimately, Jawan Howard wanted to stay and, and coach his kids, which, I mean, you can't argue with that, right? Like, you have an yeah. opportunity to coach your both of your sons at the collegiate level, like that's an incredibly rare opportunity. So no, you know, nothing. That's not that's not a a poor decision by the on the part of Juwan Howard at all. That's perfectly reasonable. But um, but interesting that he would have been their their top choice if they had their pick of anybody. Yeah, I, and you kind of get it right. He played with LeBron in Miami. Um, he was the, then a member of that staff, I believe, while LeBron was still there. Um, and so Rob Polinka in college. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Up teammates with Rob Polinka on the Fab Five teams. Mm -hmm. um, they, yeah. I, have you ever heard the Rob Polinka story with Jalen Rose? I haven't. So they were in the NCAA tournament. This has got nothing to do with anything. Um, they were in the NCAA tournament and they were in like some warm weather place. And Rob Polinka was sitting by the pool. He was actually uh, studying, I think, for like a law final or something uh. Uh, while he was sitting out there. And he sees Jalen Rose comes out on his uh, balcony. He's like, Rob, get out of the sun. It's going to sap your energy. And Rob Polinka like started laughing. And then he's like, and if Jalen's taking this this serious, yeah, I should probably get inside. And then he was. <laughs> so just a funny story. That's from uh, Mitch Album's book about the Fab Five, uh, which oh, okay. is a fantastic read if you ever have a chance to read it. It's a lot of fun, a lot of really fun stories in there, too. Maybe but, come, yeah. uh, come August, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. When we have time to read books again. Um, right. So, yeah, it's a, uh, yeah, I mean, not, no surprise, but all that aside, Lakers got, they think the best higher that they yeah. could get i've you know said this over and over again i think he darvin am has their chance to be their version of Ime Udoka. no the roster situations they're not the same of course they're no. not um but you know i think uh as far as coming in i like the fact too that all the reporting is darvin ham was like i'm only taking it if i can pick my staff if yep. you're gonna stay out of my my meetings you're gonna let me do my thing i'm not gonna try to tell you who to sign you don't tell me how to coach. And that's really how it should operate. That's how it should run. That's, you know, unless you're going to have a player or not a player coach, a coach GM, which we've seen mm -hmm. over and over again, doesn't work um, because the, the two jobs are often at odds um, with each other, the way you should be planning things. Um, yeah. That's the way it should work. Coaches coach front offices, front office. I don't know um, what to say there, but they, they do their thing and they're front runners. <laughs> yeah, front run. um, yeah so so yeah it's uh but yeah no i think the lakers did did well with this one and you know i thought uh you know i mean obviously everybody says really nice flowery things and press sure. releases and all that but it'll be fun to see you know when he you know is full-on introduced at the press conference and all that stuff and, and like you said 
it's the honeymoon phase, right? Everything is great. Everything is fantastic. That's what the way things go in the offseason. Just about every signing, well, except for Lou Aldang uh, and Timothy Mozgov, every <laughs> signing is great, right? Just about every team is looking at everything optimistically. It's the way it goes in the offseason. But um, we did hear coming out of the, the uh, interview process that the Lakers went in thinking, okay, Darvin Ham, this is a guy who's you know, he's well-respected. Um, he is, is a guy who communicates well with players, and so they knew he had those strengths. But they were really blown away by how well versed he was in X's and O's, um, and yeah. so that's that's a good thing to hear because again, that's the the general consensus is he's got the other part of it. He's got the interpersonal relationship side of it down, and the question mark was the X's and O's. And to hear that the Lakers were pretty enthused with what he was doing on that side of things, I think that's you know a good sign. But once again, honeymoon phase and, and all of that. And this is the type of stuff that comes out right now. Yeah, and he's been around and coached under some really good guys too. Um, just since you brought up the dang Moscow thing, I was thinking about it the other day, and I promise this wasn't a chance to make poke fun at the Lakers. I miss I don't get me wrong, the new 6 p.m. Eastern start to free agency on uh, June the, 30th. The midnight stuff. I, I do like that because it's just it's better for everybody and we don't have to be such vampires. Right. But I do miss the staying up all night and then being like, wait, what am I just did I did I, did, did I hallucinate? Froggy? Did I not catch that right? We, what are we doing? Because even that, obviously, those were the two that year. But every year, there were a couple of those where it was like, wait, who? For what team? And yeah. How much money? Um, but yeah, I, I do. I do miss that 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 part of the uh, midnight. And you knew then, too, because that was also, especially in the early days of Twitter, like you knew who the like hardcore like oh they're oh, up yeah. oh, they're up with me like we're we're doing yeah. this thing but you, you, you've got better. a case of energy drinks and you're getting through NBA news yeah. at three a.m. and yeah. yeah it's it's better at six six yes. six p.m. it's for it's sure. better for everybody and better for us and I'll use that as a plug we'll probably be doing some live stuff around then mm -hmm. as well uh, on yeah, on the sure. channel here so be on the lookout for that uh, all right last thing that we've got. Uh, Matt Lloyd from uh, from Orlando to the Wolves. So here the Wolves are adding another uh, front office piece. What are we thinking here? I mean, the Wolves are, are making some moves. Obviously not free agency moves or anything like that just yet, but the, mm -hmm. the Wolves are making some behind-the-scenes moves here. Um, they're taking the success that they had this year, and they're saying, yeah, we, we want to solidify that and, uh, and make sure that we are a perennial playoff team moving forward. And, um, you know, credit to them for their willingness to, to spend and, and add pieces. I am um I'm not even gonna try in a to attempt to be um unbiased here. Mm -hmm. uh, Matt has always been extremely nice to me. I'm always accommodating. Um he's been very friendly. Um he's he has uh, helped me in a lot of ways, probably ways he doesn't even understand. Uh some um this is an outstanding hire for the wolves. Um Matt has been a big part of um Orlando's uh, draft preparation um over the last several years. He, he actually joined the Magic when Rob Hennigan um took over the team and then he stuck around. It is rare that an executive sticks around when a new um, lead executive takes over because often they'll they'll replace guys and bring in their own people. Right. And that's how highly thought of Matt and his work is that he does. So this is a great hire for the Wolves. Um, small market teams, you need to you need to nail things around the edges. Uh, Matt knows the stuff around the edges just as good as, as anybody uh, does. And this is a great step forward for him. He was kind of like third in charge in, here in Orlando. It sounds like he's moving up to the number two role um, as the VP of basketball ops in Minnesota. So that's absolutely phenomenal for him. So couldn't, couldn't be happier for him. It's uh, mm -hmm. extremely well earned. 
uh, for Matt. So, and, you know, great hire for the Wolves. I mean, they're, they're putting together a pretty good, good thing up there around a team that's really kind of interesting. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what they do this offseason. Some big decisions to make for them. But um, sure. once again, they had a successful season, made the playoffs, uh, made some noise there, and then we'll see what happens with them um, this summer. Probably and if you want to read more. more about their summer, my offseason preview for them is up on Spot Track right now. It's the latest there you one. Go. Well, when we've got up, we'll, we'll be getting some more. And also, too, I, I pumped it here previous and we talked about it. Uh, I ran through all of the uh, player and team options around the NBA and made a projection. I did that with all the good uh, partial and non-guaranteed deals as well um, going into the start of the offseason uh, for anybody who who had like a guarantee date that could impact free agency. So like mm-hmm. mid-July-ish. The ones that are, you know, January 10th, the league-wide guarantee day, didn't really touch those ones, but all the ones that could you know impact free agency, I went through and talked about all those again. And that's up on Spot Track as well. You can check that out too. Busy time of year. Busy time of year. That's for sure. All right, everybody. I think that's about everything now. Um, have a great weekend. If anything big happens over the weekend, we'll we'll jump back, back on here. But um, man, the NBA never ceases to amaze me. Always all kinds of stuff coming out. Thank you, everybody, though, for uh, for joining us. Make sure that you do subscribe right here to the NBA Front Office YouTube channel. If you listen to the podcast version of this, we love getting those five-star reviews over, over an Apple podcast. Uh, don't forget to leave us something, write a, a, a little review there. We'll read some of them on the air. That's a great way to help out the show. Till next time, everybody. See ya, and stay safe. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.